Hi, welcome to Two Towns Over. This show is made possible by our patrons. If you want to monetarily support the show, we're at patreon.com slash two towns over. If you can't support us financially, then you can support us algorithmically by liking, rating, and sharing. Thanks. Enjoy the show. We can stop doing this. It's so much more yeah, fun to like just start mid conversation. Now everything has to sound like yeah. we scripted it. I hate that. Yeah. Soon. Soon. Oh, Soon. did you guys see um, the comment that somebody left? I forget uh, at the moment. There's so many names about uh, the the morbid podcast. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Said they did Tansler, but it fucking sucked. Yeah. And now they won't listen to him anymore because they did such a horrible job with Carl Tansler. Also, Ruben, you were Yeah, man. You were not going to Yo. you're not going to fucking believe this. So, you know Spotify did its wrapped thing. You know, yeah. you can see what your songs you listen to over the year. Uh they do one for like um creators too that show like how many people listen to your podcast and blah blah blah. Um Yeah. Out of all the episodes we've done, take a wild guess what our most shared episode was. Uh, hmm. Most shared episode. Yeah. Huh? Uh-huh. The one that people went, so you got to listen to this. This show's great. Gotta be one of the serial killers, right? Uh, Ed Gein, maybe? No. No. You're close. No. It, was a, it was a killer. Was it Joe Metheny? Yes. Yes. Joe Metheny was our most no shared episode. No way. Yes. One of the most obscure ones we've done, and that was our most down yep. shared episode. What? Yeah. How? I don't know. I don't understand. Gee, I wonder what our most watched one was. None. What was it? Vlad the Impaler. Well, that's our most listened oh. to. Oh, but that yeah, was, that was this year. No, it wasn't. Yeah, that was last year. Was that twenty twenty two? Yeah, because this year we started with the Satanic Fuck. Panic. Yeah. Vlad the Impaler was um, oh yeah the year before. We did the Satanic Panic for damn. most of this year. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. God damn. Yep. Wow. It's well, not. I forgot about that. I forgot the timeline on that. Yeah, they're all starting to merge together. There are certain oh, ones I remember. Trust me, I know it. Placed on location, like I remember. You know, we recorded Tansler at my old house. Then I remember Vlad was recorded at your apartment, and and I can remember like table uh, arrangement because we had the table a different way for a while. Just, yeah, uh huh. I started sitting at the other end of the table. Yeah, but we're not here to talk about the past, although we're here to talk about something that happened in the past, but it's not our past. So on January of 1959, 23 year old Igor Dyatlov led a group of eight young Soviet hikers comprising of seven men and two women and mostly university students into the Ural Mountains, attempting to reach Mount Ortotin or Ortorton from the small settlement of Vizhai. 
It took more than three months to locate all nine of their bodies. This week, we're going to be discussing possibly two weeks. depends on how we get through. Uh, The Dyatlov Pass incident. Very, very famous missing hikers type story. And my fucking dumbass. Where is this pass again? In Russia. In I okay yeah in the Ural Mountains of Russia. I was just making sure I was following. Um, uh, who the fuck are you? Oh, I'm sorry. I am Don. Welcome everybody to Two Towns Over. I am Don. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. Uh, Jesus's thirteenth disciple, <laughs> left out of Josh, the Bible, cause also he's black. known as. <laughs> Actually, twist. It's because I wasn't brown enough. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Josh, also known as Secretly a Mimic. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, my God. That, I'm sorry. I'm already getting off on a tangent. It reminds me of a TikTok of a guy talking about mimics and saying, you know, every all the DMs always have the mimics, you know, mimic a treasure chest or something. But a mimic can be anything, you know, like, I don't know, maybe a health potion. And oh, I think I've seen this or you shared it to me. Yeah. And he's like, you know, anything, just saying. I don't know how that would work because, I mean, it, I don't know. That's there's there's a section of the DM's guide for 5e that'll let you turn anything into a mimic. Oh, wow. <laughs> yep. All right. So, in, by the way, everybody, I'm warning you now, there is a fuck ton of Russian names and words and everything in this episode. And I'm gonna butcher. I'm gonna butcher every single fucking one of them, and I don't have Ruben and Josh to back me up like they do on Japanese words. So, oh yeah, he's right. (laughs) I don't watch the Russian equivalent of Amine. You know what I'm saying? Fucking the Russian words have umlauts and shit over them. They got a weird B that's actually like an R. I don't understand. So in Sverdlovsk Oblast, Soviet Union, in 1959. A group was organized for a skiing adventure over the northern Urals. The group's leader, 23-year-old radio engineering student Igor Dyatlov of the Ural Polytechnical Institute, uh, now Ural Federal uh, University. By the way, you guys are going to be thinking I'm going to say urine every time I say Ural. You're just going to get... Buddy, I hate you for what you've (laughs) done to me today. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, Yeah. uh, Gathered nine other participants for the journey the majority of whom were classmates and other students. Eight men and two women made up the original group. However, a later member withdrew owing to health concerns. Every member of the group was a certified grade two hiker with experience leading ski tours. And upon their return, they will all earn a grade three qualification, which is the Soviet Union's... I have a question. Yes. What what that mean? Grade two, grade three? Uh, Basically, professional hikers. It's... um, how it's like uh, with scuba diving you have like uh open water advanced open water um uh mm-hmm. dive master yeah. that kind of, yeah it's, it's just a, my mom was a master diver yeah so was my dad what kind of what um i want to do that one day by the way scuba I diving fucking, i don't fuck with water <laughs> especially oh hell yeah bud i i, do I not live fuck for with that water um i used to free dive when i was a kid it was really really fun but anyway I was not good at it, by the way, people who are listening. But anyway, um, what? Wh- how many levels are there uh, for for this? Uh, the article didn't say that I got all this from. 
and which and by the way by the way no 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 this isn't a direct source this is just basically researching oh okay yeah but none of them said this was it's just grade three oh no i'm sorry er grade three is the highest of all um the soviet's highest certification Ah, okay okay is grade three literally it it was the next sentence you just joshed me and made me look stupid my bad Uh (laughs) oops so yeah so the soviet union's highest certification at the time grade three required applicants to travel 190 miles Dyatlov's group designed the path to reach the upper streams of the Lazva River and the far northern parts of the Sverdlovsk Oblast. Uh, The Sverdlovsk City Route Commission gave its approval to the route. The Sverdlovsk Committee of Physical, Cultural, and Support, thank you, uh, which oversaw this section, verified the 10-person group on... Really fucked me up. Sorry. January 8th, 1959. The expedition's uh, objective was to arrive at Otorten, uh, a peak located 6.2 miles north of the event location. This route, which is classified as Category 3, was traveled in February, which is the hardest month to travel. The Dyatlov party received their route back on uh, route book on January 23rd, 1959, with instructions to take the number five trail. 11 persons were recognized as having approval at that time by the Zverdlovsk City Committee uh, of Physical, Culture, and Sport. Simeon Zolotaryov. Try, I'm trying to follow all these fucking Russian names. Yeah. Simeon Zolotaryov, uh, who had previously received approval to travel on a comparable voyage, was identified as the 11th participant. The day the Dyatlov party received the route book, they departed for Sverdzovsk City, <clears throat> which is now Yekaterinburg. Yekaterinburg. Early on January 25th, 19- this, Yes? I, I, I'm just like, their name, I just, wow, it's a, it's a lot of, a lot of Russian coming at me real fast. <laughs> yeah. as well. This is the intro. Once we start getting into it, it'll, it'll stop. Um, yeah. So early on January 25th, 1959, the company arrived by uh, train to Evdel, a town located in the center of the northern province of Sverdlovsk Oblast. After that, they rode a truck to the final inhabited community north of the border uh, called Visai, a trucking village. To maintain their stamina for the trip the next day, the skiers bought and consumed loaves of bread while spending the night in Visai. The next morning, on January 27th, they started their journey toward Gora or Torten. On January 28th, one participant, Yuri Yudin, who suffered from congenital heart disease and rheumatism, among other health issues, had to turn back from the hike because of knee and joint pain. Nine hikers remained as they resumed their journey. Now, it was easy to follow the group's path up to the day before the event because of their diaries and cameras discovered at the previous campsite. When the group reached the edge of the highlands on January 31st, they started getting ready to climb. They hid supplies and extra food in a forested valley, ready for the return journey. The hikers began to make their way through the pass the following day. They appeared to have intended to cross the pass and set up camp on the other side for the night. But as the weather grew worse, they lost their way and veered west, climbing Kolat Siakl. Upon realizing their error, the group... 
upon realizing their error, the group cho- uh, chose to camp on the mountain slope instead of traveling the point nine three miles below to a forested location that would have provided some weather protection. According to Yudin, who was the guy who stayed Ooh. behind, the Dyatlov probably did not want to lose the altitude that they had gained, or he decided to practice camping on the mountain slope. Dyatlov had promised to send a telegram to their sports club as soon as they arrived back in Vizhai before departing. Now, although it was anticipated that this would occur by February 12th at the latest, Dyatlov had informed Yudin before to his departure from the group that he anticipated it to take longer. There was no instant response when the 12th came and no messages had been received. These missions sometimes had delays for several days. Now, the dean of the institute dispatched the first rescue groups made up of volunteer teachers and students on February 20th in response to the demands from the travelers' families for a rescue effort. Subsequently, planes and helicopters were ordered to join... How many... How long? How long is that? This has been 20 days now. They... um, the 12th was when they okay. were expected to return. So eight days since their expected return. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's kind of what I was going for. I was wondering how long, uh, how extra, how much, how many extra days did people wait? Yeah. Uh, cause you said 190 miles. Did they have to do that all in one trip or, or was that like total like flight hours? Um, it didn't specify. I think it was the hike itself. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Subsequently, planes and helicopters were ordered to join the operation, and the army and militia, or I'm sorry, militia, which is uh, personnel, which is the police, got involved. The group's damaged and abandoned tent was discovered by searchers on February 26th on Kolat Siakl. The search party was puzzled by the encampment. The student who discovered the tent, Mikhail Saravan, reported that it was partially collapsed and completely covered with snow. All of the group's shoes and possessions had been abandoned, and it was vacant. According to investigators, there was an internal cutting inside the tent, meaning that they cut to get out of the tent. So it's got to be, was it paradoxical undressing? Hypothermia, yeah. Yeah, where when, when you reach a certain level of hypothermia you feel hot yeah and so they all just took off out into the snow and then died in varying places that doesn't seem exactly correct though well somehow i assume we'll get more details but that's where i'm at right now so there were and so none of them none of them had experience with this particular mountain correct correct they were this was their so. their okay. basically their final to get uh that level of oh. get their certification. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So um there were nine sets of tracks made by persons walking barefoot with just one shoe or just socks all the way to the edge of a neighboring Ooh. woods. The 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 woods we talked about that was less than a mile away to the northeast of the pass. Following right. S- so following After 1,600 feet, the snow had begun to obscure the tracks. The searchers discovered the obvious traces of a small fire at the border of the woodland beneath a huge Serbian pine. The first two bodies were there, those of Doroshenko and Krivonishenko. They were only wearing their underwear and had no shoes on. 
up to five. See, yeah. So now it that's, does feel. That's, I'm like really, that. I'm really on this paradoxical undressing train at the moment. I'm just thinking, or, like, or they, somebody in that tent was a murderer, a murderer, yeah, or a skinwalker. That's what I'm thinking. Like, it's yeah. like you, because why would they have cut their way out of the tent? Just leave the tent. But then I don't, I don't know. One tent though for nine people. How big is that fucking tent? Yeah. Also, what determines whether or not the cutting was done from the inside or the outside? You can, you can determine that because there's a puncture, so the it'll rip one way or the other. I mean, I understand that conceptually. I don't know how to explain it better. <laughs> no, you've explained it the best you can. <laughs> I just i I feel like there's room for error in that analysis. Maybe, but it also depends on like if there was snow and. The ability to do like footprints and stuff, there's probably an indication as to which way the feet were facing yeah, outside of fair. the tent and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, there were, yeah, they were only wearing their underwear and no shoes on. Up to five meters up, the tree's limbs were damaged, indicating that one of the skeet hikers had ascended to search for something, possibly the camp. Three more bodies were discovered by the searchers between the pine and the camp. Dyatlov, Komogorova, and Slobodin. Their deaths... So we're at five bodies. Correct. Their deaths were in positions... Out of nine? Yes. Their de- okay. Their deaths were in positions that suggested that they were trying to get back to the tent. The distances between them and the tree was 980 feet, 1,520 feet, and 2,070 feet, in the order I listed them off. Now, it was quite the what two... What the fuck? Yeah, it was quite, it was more than two months before the remaining four travelers were located. On May 4th, they were eventually discovered in a gully 246 feet deeper into the woods from the pine tree, beneath 13 feet of snow. Um, out of the four, three had their uh, clothes on, and there were indications. Well, one of them was like almost half a mile from the tent. Yeah. For some reason. Um, what? I, it sounds like either it was the paradoxical undressing due to hypothermia, but then I don't... All of them in the tent together? I mean, hypothermia is not impossible, but it seems like they would have had the correct precautions to make sure that they weren't getting hypothermia to that extent. And then... Or like like they were running from something. Yeah. That was stealing their clothes. <laughs> or like, well, so. Or they were trying to distract it. If you're like huddled for warmth, then you don't want to be wearing too many clothes. Yeah. Because you share body heat more efficiently. Uh, yeah, I guess. But. So, like I said, out of the four, three had most of their clothes or had better clothes than the others. And there were indications that others had taken some of the first victim's clothes, the first person they found. Uh, Durbinina, or Durbinina, Durbinina, oh my God, Dubinina, (laughs) Dubinina, there we go. Dubinina, yeah, 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 everyone knows. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she had a ripped jacket over her left foot and shin, and she was wearing the burned and torn trousers of Krivonashenko that Krivonashenko had given her. Burned? Yes. 
There was a small fire. Maybe they used yeah clothes. So immediately following, I don't understand what the fuck's going on yet. That's why this has been a mystery for almost a century. So immediately following the discovery of the first five victims, a formal inquest inquest was held. Following a medical assessment, it was determined that hypothermia was the cause of each person's death and that no injuries could have contributed to their demise. Although Slobodin had a tiny fracture in his skull, it was not believed to be a lethal injury. A review of the fourth, uh, the four deaths discovered in May changed the story of what happened. Three of the hikers suffered fatal injuries. Durbinina, I fucking hate this name, Dabinina and Zola Taryov had severe chest fractures and Thibodeau or Thibodeau Brignoyes suffered significant <laughs> damage to his skull. Boris Vazrozdini claimed that an automobile crash would have required an incredibly high force to inflict such a damage. Uh, interestingly, hmm. the bodies appeared to have been subjected to a lot of pressure because there was no external wounds connected to the bone fractures. So hmm. Soft tissue trauma to the head and face was present in all four of the victims that were discovered. At, uh, discovered at the bottom of the creek in a moving stream of water. For instance, Zolotaryov had lost his eyeballs. Alexander Kolyadvatov had lost his eyebrows. And Dubinina had lost her tongue, eyes, part of her lips, facial tissue, and a piece of her skull bone. God damn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's, that's a skinwalker. It has to be. Wait a minute. I, Mr. Science is considering a skinwalker? No. <laughs> no, not really. But yeah, it's totally a skinwalker. It's gotta be, honestly. I fully, I mean, that seems like, you know, fish could do that. Right, the eyeballs missing, I was thinking fish, fish would eat, eat those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the eyebrows? That's fucked. I That's don't understand weird. that at all. Uh, because the bodies were found in a look, it's in in the absence of any legitimate evidence as to what exactly happened here. At least until we get to the point where we talk about the actual scientific theories. Uh, yeah, it's a skinwalker. Oh, definitely, hundred percent. So, because <clears throat> the bodies were found in a stream, forensic expert V. A. Vazrozdini, uh, who conducted yep. the post mortem investigation, concluded that all of these injuries occurred after the death. They were post mortem. So at first, mm -hmm. that sounds like animals, but then the eyebrows, though, <laughs> at first, there was conjecture that the group had been attacked and killed by the local Manzi people who were reindeer herders for invading their territory. After questioning a number of number of Manzi, the inquiry concluded that the circumstances of the fatalities refuted this theory because there was no evidence of a hand to hand struggle and just the hikers tracks were uh, visible. With a storm blowing. The temperature was extremely low, between negative 13 and negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit. Although the corpses... You know what it is? Ha. Huh. Werewolf. Werewolf? Yeah. You think werewolf? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's so, some kind of nocturnal creature, mm -hmm. for sure. It's I, I'm still leaning more towards Skinwalker. I'm thinking think. somebody started to transform in the tent. Uh-huh. Everybody freaked out. Yeah. Nobody had time to get close. Right. They... They cut their way out. Uh-huh. They start running towards the forest. Yep. The guy bursts out of the tent. 
and somehow supernaturally leaps far away into the trees. Oh. Uh-huh. So they make a Leaving small no fire. footprints as he does No this. footprints. But then... Something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, no, no footprints, footprints though. No, no signs of struggle. Yep. Uh, he collects his. He collects his eyebrows, and and yeah, that is the weirdest trick. Other facial bits to collect. <laughs> and then, and then maybe turns... he stumbled. There's nine sets of footprints. Maybe he stumbled into the trees to get away, uh-huh. and then the other eight were like, "Where the fuck did he go? He cut himself out of the tent, right? Yeah. They all wake up because it's cold now. Uh huh." You know, they're like, where the fuck did he go? Oh, look, footprints. Let's go follow him. But then they see some weird shit happen with the footprints. Uh-huh. They're like, that's wild. They're and getting then, like a different shape. And then and, mysteriously, their bones break with no external in- injuries uh-huh, uh-huh. at all. Well, well, because they make a small fire. Uh-huh. Then every time that this werewolf or werebear, I don't know. Uh-huh. It's Russia. Finds the person. Oh, he, you're right. It would definitely be a weird. Just there. step yeah. down, you know, crunch them, uh-huh. move on to the next guy. That's that, why they're that so would, spread that out. Would be external injuries, though. No, 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 no. It's just a push. Just, just a push. Just a push. You just hold them down, and then whoosh. like like over a rock, and yeah. you just gently push until snap. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, that's what I got. <laughs> This podcast is powered by Podbean Podcast Hosting. Are you thinking about starting your own podcast or looking for the best home for your podcast? Check out all the amazing features that Podbean offers with unlimited bandwidth and storage for an affordable price. That's right, unlimited. Visit www.podbean.com unlimited to check it out today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com unlimited. So here are some of the... the, the the clues to help you guys out. There was no sign of any yes, additional individuals in the vicinity of the nine hikers on Kolat Siakal. Six of the group members perished from hypothermia and three perished from deadly mm-hmm. injuries. And the, okay. the interior of the tent had been torn apart. Some of the findings at the camp were that 68 hours after their last meal uh, was when they passed away. All of the group members left the campsite on foot and of their own volition, according to the camp remnants. And one victim's clothing contained radiation. Hmm. So, Vazro did... Radiation? Yes. Like, are are you about to elaborate on to what extent or type of radiation? Yeah, we'll we'll get there. Do we not know? No, we'll get there. Okay. Okay. So those. So my my big thing that I'm wondering from like the the actual rational standpoint right now is had the hypothermia started before or after leaving the tent? Yeah, that's true. I don't know because we have confirmed deaths as a result of hypothermia. I'm thinking 68 hours after their last meal. That feels like yeah, probably not 68. Six yeah. Two, eight. Oh, six two eight. Yes. Oh, between six and eight hours. Vazras Denny claimed that the force of the blows had been too strong and no soft tissue damage had been, uh, no soft tissue had been damaged, refuting the hypothesis that the three bodies' fatal injuries were the result of an attack by the native Mansi people. And the state... They got attacked by Poe, the dragon warrior. I don't know. (laughs) In the state of the skiers... That's as, as valid a theory as we have right now. 
The state of the skier's internal organs was not disclosed in the release documents. Now, the official opinion at the time was that a strong natural force had killed the group members. The lack of a guilty person... Yeah, that's what I would call a lichen as well. <laughs> the lack of a guilty person resulted in the official end of the inquest in May of 1959. An unidentified archive received the photo, uh, the files. Now, the negatives from Krivonashenko's Kriv- camera were discovered to be stored in Lev Nitsch... Or Nikitsch... Lev Ivanov might, might be Nikitz. Nikitz. No, that would be like German. N i k i t c h. Nikitz. Oh, uh, Ivanov. Sure. Uh, one of the investigators. It, it's private it's pronounced Nietzsche, okay. actually. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So the negatives were discovered in <laughs> Lev Ivanov's um, private archives in 1997. Ivanov's daughter gave the film material to the Dyatlov Foundation. And in 2009, the hiking party's diary, diaries were made public in Russia. The remains of Zolotaryov okay. was excavated in April, on April 12, 2018, at the request of reporters from Komsomlinskia Pravda, which is a Russian tabloid daily. So the results were contradictory. Now you you mentioned the the diary entries. Do we have anything interesting from the diary no. entries? Nope. It's literally no. went hiking today. We got this far. We had like beef jerky. It's basic shit. We set up camp. Right. Time for dinner and bed. Yep. Yeah. I'll wake up tomorrow for sure. Right. Tomorrow we will hike more. Right. <laughs> so nine of us aren't going to die in a tragic accident or murder or skinwalker. Golly G Willikers. I sure love living. <laughs> See you tomorrow, diary. It's, I love you. It will be a beautiful day tomorrow. Um. So, yeah, the results of this excavation were contradictory. The DNA study showed no similarities to the DNA of living relatives, and one of the experts noted that the injuries resembled those of a person struck by a car. Furthermore, it was... Dis- hold up, hold up, hold up. Did you just say that the DNA of the bodies did not resemble the DNA of any of their family members? The DNA of Zolotaryov. The one who was excavated did not match. New theory. A rift opened up in space time <laughs> and two of them switched places. Uh-huh. Thus radiation because wormhole. Sure. Uh, and then also. They all went crazy from seeing a non-Euclidean event take place and then right. they all died. <laughs> right. Right. So it's cosmic horror. Now. Mm-hmm. Um, but also they I saw say, the this face was, of God. This was, was what terrifying. Year? Uh, 1959. 1959. Yeah. Okay, yes. So, I'm thinking Chernobyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, because radiation... Yeah, upside down experiment and, gone wrong. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, what happened was a, a portal to the upside down opened up. And... Doom uh, guy got out. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. This is this is how Russia, uh, in Stranger Things official lore, became interested in the Upside Down. This was the incident. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they've covered up all the the real information. And you know, fast forward. The to reason up, those fast injuries to the eighties are as if they got hit by a car is because they did. They got teleported onto a freeway. They got hit by cars. And then they had to quickly teleport them back into the forest. 
Well, no. So I'm thinking one of them went into the upside down. Oh, true. Was freaked out, wandered around, found an exit that led onto a highway, <laughs> got hit by a car, was like, oh, fuck, I got to get back to my friends. They can help me. And then crawled back through the upside down uh-huh. into the back up into the tent. Yeah. Somebody woke up, saw that, freaked out, cut out of the tent. Yes. Uh, and that's when the Demogorgon also came out. True. Of the... It has to be. <laughs> but it managed to leave no tracks. Well, it's a, it's a creature from the upside down, so it doesn't interact with the physical world in the same way that we do. Well, but they do, canonically. So <laughs> no, the, the lore matters. <laughs> so it was probably not a Demogorgon. It was it was a Demobat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a... It was a what, like one of the ones that, uh, spoiler alert, killed Eddie. Uh-huh. Rest in peace, hero. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah. The best character on that show, man. So, furthermore, it was discovered that Zolotar- Zolotaryov's name was missing from the list of interment at the Ivanovskoye Cemetery. Journalist... Bitch, I thought you just were going to end the sentence at his name was missing. <laughs> like, they stole his name. <laughs> they stole his name, bro. Like... Uh, who's Zolotaryov? So... <laughs> Journalist voiced worries that someone else was using Zola Tardiov's name after World War II, but the reconstruction of the skull's face from the unearthed remains matched Zola Tardiov's post-war photos. Uh... Ha. 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 I'm back to Skinwalker. <laughs> it's gotta be a Skinwalker, bro! <laughs> so th- or, or this is a shape-shifting or... immortal... Or the same thing that happened to Klaus in season two of uh, Umbrella Academy, where he, I didn't he, watch Umbrella Academy. It's the one where he, I, whatever part it is, where he goes back and he like has a relationship with a soldier during like Vietnam, and then he comes back with like post Vietnam trauma, but it's twenty twenty or whatever. Ah, that's that's got to be what happened. So three theories were being investigated by when Russian officials renewed the investigation into the tragedy in February of two thousand nineteen. These were a slab avalanche. Oh, wow. They reopened it that recently, yes. huh? Holy shit. A slab avalanche, a regular avalanche, or a hurricane. The likelihood of a crime having been ruled out. Now, five of the... Friend, if there was a hurricane, everyone would have known. Yeah. <laughs> so f- That's how hurricane. So five of the hikers' burials were attended by Yuri... Oh, I'm going to butcher this name. and It's going to sound bad. Kuntsevich, who K U K U N T Yuri Kuntsevich, Kuntsevich, uh, yeah, Yuri Kuntsevich, who was twelve at the time and would go on to become a director of the Dyatlov Foundation in Yekaterin, uh, Yekaterinburg. Um, I don't know why I said that like it was a clue. Yekaterinburg, <laughs> 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 ah, of course. He said that the bodies had a deep brown tan skin. So about 31... Leathery, as if they'd been in the sun. Yes. So uh, about 31 miles south of the incident, another party of hikers reported seeing unusual orange spheres in the northern sky that night. Several independent witnesses... Aliens! Yes. Now it's aliens. How did we not think of aliens? It's gotta be aliens. Several... They got... So... They... they... <laughs> yeah. They got taken up into the saucer. Uh-huh. 
and the Greys were performing experiments yeah. on, bo- on bone like, breaking and eyebrow taking. Yeah, yeah. Thresholds for their, like, their favorite things, you know, b- bone break and eyebrow taken. Yeah. Oh and my God! You add one more thing. Th- they accidentally sounds, took the eyeballs. You say bone break and eyebrow taken. You add one more thing that rhymes. You got a Muhammad Ali quote we can put on a shirt. <laughs> Dude, you cannot fight Muhammad Ali. Listen, he will take your eyebrows. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> oh shit! You can't I'm furiously thinking. I'm like, <laughs> how do I finish that in a Muhammad Ali way? <laughs> I'm the bone breaking, eyebrow taking. Oh, uh, I can't. Thirst slaking. I don't know. So, <laughs> several independent witnesses. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll I'm so mean. It. I'll make your mama green. <laughs> like several independent witnesses, including the meteorological service and the military continuously saw several similar spheres in Ivdel and the surrounding areas during February and March of 1959. The many witnesses came forward years after the 1959 investigation failed to record these occurrences. In the 1990 book, The Price of State Secrets is Nine Lives, uh, Antoli Gushin, Gushin provided an overview of his findings. Although the work's focus is on the theoretical theory of Soviet covert weapon experiments drew criticism from certain scholars, its release sparked a public conversation on the paranormal. In fact, a number of people who had been quiet for 30 years revealed fresh information regarding the mishap. Uh, Liv Ivanov, a former police officer, was one of them, and he oversaw the formal inquest in 1959. He acknowledged in a 1990 piece that the investigating team was unable to come up with a reasonable explanation for the incident. He added that senior regional officials gave him explicit orders to discount the claims made by his team after they reported seeing flying spheres. On July... Okay, so now it's now it's Russian conspiracy theory mm-hmm. time. So, Still aliens, but Russian conspiracy. Right. Uh, so to prevent the fall of communism nine people had to be sacrificed to the ghost of Karl Marx. And so what they did was they they worked with the Upside Down and the aliens in tandem. Yeah. Along with, uh, they, they had to use a radiated object from Chernobyl. Yeah. They had to sacrifice one of them to open the portal to the Upside Down. Mm-hmm. You do realize while that this was, they also... It, this was long before Chernobyl. Chernobyl happened in the 80s. Oh, that's what the Russians want me to think? That's what they want that's you what, to yes, think, Don. Okay. Now exactly. you're there. Now you're exactly. there. Exactly. Welcome, welcome to what how the way that everyone in QAnon thinks. How does it feel to be a truther? <laughs> it's when, when you're trying to get to the truth, Don, you can't be worried about things like factual timelines and... It's no. <laughs> you, we can't adhere to the lore of the U.S. Okay, right, exactly. We All that United States anti-communist world history, capitalist propaganda, telling you that Chernobyl happened in the eighties. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. That's because they don't want you to know. One sacrifice was to open the upside down. Uh-huh. Another was to. Uh, do the summoning circle that would allow the aliens to use their warp tunnel to get to that specific location. Right, exactly. So it's like a beacon for yeah, the yeah. aliens. And that's once exactly. the aliens got here, they're like, mm, 
we need some bones and some eyebrows. <laughs> and so they were like, ah, and they shook on it. Yeah. And so they let the aliens take some bones and eyebrows. Mm-hmm. And they let the the, uh, the demi-bat eat the, the face the and, the eyebrow yeah, it, and the eyeballs. Well, I was going to say that what happened with the aliens was they kind of like give them an inch and they take a mile. Except it, g- g- give them a bone and an eyebrow and they take eyeballs and tongues too. Yeah, yeah. They kind of they kind of fucked up that deal a little bit. Yes, a little bit. And but hey, man, now they've got lasers. So right, right. It's fine. And, and they took the Dimabat back with them mm-hmm. to study it. Obviously, to, yeah, yeah. To bone break and eyebrow, eyebrow tape. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in, and that's why there's no tracks. I need, yeah, exactly. I need to write that down before I forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I don't think I, I got a pen. Where's my? There it is. I'm the bone breaking his eyebrow taking his. All right. Sorry. Moving on. So on July 11th, 2020, Andrei Kurikov, uh, the deputy head of prosecutor general's office, Ural's federal district directorate, declared that an avalanche was the Dyatlov group's official cause of death. Um, later, an avalanche is also suggested as the reason by independent computer simulation and study conducted by Swiss academics. As Douglas Preston summarizes Kirikov's story in The New Yorker, the most appealing aspect of Kirikov's scenario is that the actions of the Dyatlov party no longer seemed irrational. According to Green, the snow slab would have likely generated loud cracking and rumbling noises as it fell across the tent, giving the impression that an avalanche was about to occur. Kirikov pointed out that although, although the skiers misplaced their tent, Everything they did after was according to the book or by the book. They carried out an emergency evacuation to a location that would be safe from an avalanche. Uh, They sought refuge in the woods. They built a fire and they excavated a snow cave. They were if they were less seasoned, they could have stayed close to the tent, excavated it and made it out alive. However, avalanches represent the single greatest risk in the mountains during the winter and your fear of them increases with experience. So, in essence, the hikers mm-hmm. sealed their own fate. Their skill yeah. is what caused them to die. I, I'm only as afraid of avalanches as Mulan could make me. Right, yeah, exactly. You know, I've never seen one. I've never been in one. Like, also, I'm a Floridian, so my natural disaster is hurricanes. And where I live, hurricanes can kiss my ass. Right, exactly. So we haven't had a serious hurricane since decades. like 1992. Yeah, like <clears throat> so. I don't know. We had. I don't have the same relationship with that. We had those three hurricanes. That hit I mean, us it's in still... uh, 20, 2004 when Cindy and I first moved to Yuli. Uh, there was Charlie, Francis, and Gene. All came the same path that year. Yeah, no, I'm saying they can be devastating because of the water output and because of limbs and stuff from the wind. But I mean, we do not get hit like her, like Haiti. We do right. not get hit like New Orleans. You we know don't get hit like actually destroy a town right here. We get we get flood a neighborhood and it's really terrible right. and like six old people will die because they went outside for no fucking reason. We get mandatory evacuation every few years yeah. type of hurricanes. So here. it's like and even then half the town is like fucking mandatory. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then they drive to the beach. Uh-huh. Wasn't it Mark that filmed so like, the video of him skateboarding down the street during a hurricane one year? 
It was longboard. Or whatever. Oh, so he was actually like surfing down the street? No, no. No, 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 no. It's a, a longboard has wheels. Okay. It's just it's a type of skateboard, it Don. It's, it's, it's just different. You don't do tricks the same. Gotcha. Yeah, you you just cruise. See, my only experience with skaters, my dad was a skater when he was a teenager, but that's nineteen seventies skateboarding. <laughs> it's a lot different. He was a skater boy. Yep. She says he a later boy. So American f- What's the one What's the one so skateboarding tricks go like by complexity? Uh-huh. With the length of the board. Because there's also free skates, which is essentially just two trucks on two different feet size boards that yeah. you can just you it's crazy the shit people do with those. Yeah. But like it's like literally the most complex. Then there's medium, which is still very, very complex, but it's mm-hmm. like, you know, the X Games type shit. Mm-hmm. Regular Tony Hawk stuff. Then there's long boards where you see people just kind of dancing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like or sometimes you see the ones that do like like speed bombing hills yeah. on longboards and they've got like the gloves so mm-hmm. that they can like touch the ground for yeah. turns and shit. Yeah, that's Those shit's are cool. cool. Those are cool. So American skeptic author Benjamin Ratford reviewed the sensationalist idea of uh, the uh, Yeti and concluded that an avalanche was more likely, writing that an avalanche covered the end. Yeti. We are fucking idiots. We're garbage we are not worthy we can't compete no no it's him that's stupid no you're right that it was something so simple as a yeti it has to be the upside down if it were a yeti there would be and the russian government struggle there would be more external injury way more havoc the the fact that they're all scattered they would only get scattered like that if we were working with one of two things and that's the aliens just kind of jettisoning them back out of the ship Mm -hmm. and they just kind of get scattered yeah because you know or or if it's it's with wormholes Uh, wormhole technology even today is not that exact that shit's unstable exactly so they would end up kind of like in different places or uh upside down portals Popping up be. in different places, yeah, because the like you ups- said, it's the Russian government in tandem with aliens using the upside down as transportation method. Yep, like you know, the Dimabat was just a mistake. It just got out by mistake because again, portal technology not that exact. Okay, it's not like in the video games. Okay, very very complicated. You're gonna miss. It just it's gonna happen. All right. You know, Orv- Orville and Wilbur Wright didn't get it right the first time. Exactly. <clears throat> so he's this is his theory that an avalanche covered the entrance to the group's tent or that they were afraid one was approaching, which caused them to wake up in a panic and cut their way out of their tent. The better to have a potentially reparable slit in a tent than risk being buried alive in, in it under tons of snow. They fled to the safety of the adjacent woods where trees would help slow the approaching snow, despite their shoddy clothing from sleep. They split out into two or three groups in the nighttime, and one of them started a fire, which is how they received their burned hands, while the others attempted to make their way back to the tent in order to retrieve their clothes since the danger had passed. However, it was so... How, what a convenient explanation. <laughs> For real. These people are just... However, it was so cold that before they could find their tents in the shadows, they all died of frostbite. The group of four whose bodies were most severely damaged were caught in the avalanche and buried under four or 13 feet of snow. 
more than enough to explain the compelling natural force the medical examiner described. At some point, some of the clothes may have been recovered or switched from the dead. Predation and scavengers most likely took Babinia's tongue. All right, so there's contradictory evidence to the avalanche theory. And it's as follows. Well, and you know, none of this is to even mention that in reality, it was all shot on a soundstage in <laughs> California directed by Stanley Kubrick. Oh, my God. Um, and Donald Trump <laughs> was still the president then. Yes. Okay. And even though he was like 10 or whatever. And say no to Joe. <laughs> So, um, this is how bad the flat earthers are. The f- <laughs> and John F. Kennedy knew. He knew. And he was going to tell everyone about this, and that's why they shot him. So, apparently, last night, uh, Pastor Greg Locke had a, oh, good. Had a debate with another... Oh, good. As, as if we weren't being insane <laughs> enough on this episode. I swear to God, dude. Nothing we do could be as crazy as no. what these people really no, fucking believe. No, no, None no. of these jokes that I come up with even touch anything that Greg oh Locke says no, no, no. on a daily but basis. But here's the thing. It is because of flat earthers that I have to agree with Greg Locke <laughs> on something. Oh, oh God. Uh, he did a debate last night with another pastor, and that other pastor believes that there is biblical proof that the earth is flat. And Greg Locke. Yeah, all flat earthers do. Well, f- Greg Locke said that there's places in the Bible that say that the earth is round. So Greg Locke is not a flat earther, which means we, as a podcast, agree with Greg Locke on something. Blind squirrel, not <laughs> move on. Listen, I don't have to agree about a fact. Uh, exactly. It's not <laughs> exactly. an agreement. It just is a agree. fact. <laughs> we accept the same factual information. Right. So this is the uh, the following is evidence that refutes the avalanche theory. There were no overt indications of an avalanche at the scene. Debris from an avalanche would have been dispersed across a large area in certain patterns. The bodies that were just... Dude, be careful. Be careful what you say. They will come for you. Okay. Dude, I'm gearing up for the Scientology episode. I ain't skirt. Oh, fucking A. I ain't God, skirt. Scientology might actually try to sue us. <laughs> I don't, they probably won't try to sue us because we're going to pepper in the word allegedly a whole, whole lot. <laughs> I hope they call me. Uh, they very well might like stalk us and try to intimidate us, but I'll, I'll, I'll piss on them. I grew up black in the South. They, they may think that that's good. <laughs> they may think that's medicine, Josh. No. No. <laughs> they might think it's a fetish, though. Yeah. So. Maybe maybe I'll turn them. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the bodies that were discovered within a month of the incident had a very thin layer of snow covering them. Uh, if there had been an avalanche strong enough to carry away the second party... Those bodies would have also been carried away, resulting in more severe injuries and damage to the tree line. So, uh, also, since the occurrence, more than 100 trips have been conducted in that area, and none of them have ever documented any condition that could lead to an avalanche. A review of the region 
using modern terrain-related physics shows that it was highly unlikely that such an avalanche could have happened there. When the winter snow melted uh, in April and May, the dangerous conditions that were present in another nearby area, one with much steeper slopes and cornices, was noted. When the incident happened in February, there were no such circumstances. And even if a particularly precise avalanche had managed to make its way into the region, an, an examination of the slope and topography revealed that its course would have passed by the tent. Uh, the tent had fallen in one direction only, from the side, not the horizontal. Um, also, Zolotaryov, who was much older than Dyatlov, was pursuing a master's degree in mountain trekking and ski instruction. Did not know you could get a degree for that. Um, oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah, you for sure. A degree definitely. in Klingon these days. <laughs> Dyatlov was an accomplished skier. It is unlikely that either of these two men would have set up camp in the path of an impending avalanche. Also, the prints left by persons walking away from the tent did not match the pattern of someone, much less nine people, fleeing in fear from actual or perceived threat. Each and every footprint, footprint that led out of the tent and into the woods was that of a person moving at a typical pace. Again, that's what the Russians want you to think. Well, you see, I'm on a different one now. Oh, hypnosis. Mm -hmm. So one of them was a plant from the Russian government, right? Clearly. Actually, deep cover. Deep cover. He had been at the, the hiking academy or whatever the fuck uh, for years <clears throat> studying alongside them. It's kind of kind of like uh, in, in, in Attack on Titan how the, the the Marlians had infiltrated the 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 scout regimen. It all makes sense. Uh-huh. Deep cover. And they were actually a a, a Russian Spetsnaz trained hypnosis expert. Mhm. Mm and don't don't worry about whether or not the Spetsnaz existed at this point. Um and while everyone else was asleep, they did a bunch of hypnosis shit to get them all to calmly walk away willingly give their eyebrows yeah. back to nature correct <laughs> you are you are hyper fixated on these eyebrows <laughs> <laughs> what happened what to them? what happened to the eyebrows why because <laughs> if they weren't singed off it sounds like they were scalped off specifically they belong in a museum <laughs> They are. They are in an alien one. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> so, here's the deal. We still have... Let me get back. There we go. I, I was afraid of this. <laughs> we still have ten pages of script to go. Oh, okay. Wow. So, and we, <laughs> we, we are at an hour. Yeah, so I think so. we're going to stop here because basically from here on out is the possible theories of what actually happened. There's been multiple okay, the, all, all the stuff that they want us to think. Yes. Yeah, okay. So I think we're going to stop here. We'll make this a two-parter, because this is an interesting subject, so I don't want to rush it. Yeah. Also, yeah, we're having fair. a lot of fun. Because uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't even started talking about uh, my real theory, which is the world-renowned eyebrow bandit. 
and his role in the whole thing. So the world renowned. I swear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know Jack the Ripper? All a cover up for the eyebrow bandit. You know, I can't believe I'd never noticed it before. Maybe Jack mm-hmm. the Ripper ripped the eyebrows. You just have to apply a little bit of critical thinking and you'll <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face at all. <laughs> Maybe what Jack was ripping was eyebrows. <laughs> see Yes. <laughs> now you get it, you see. You're you're picking it up now. Yeah. We can't even release this episode anymore, though, because they'll know that we know too much. Yep. All right, everybody. So we're going to stop that here. Um, Wait, who's this extra person in our in our Discord call labeled CIA agent? Oh, shit. <laughs> this is what I am looking at <laughs> after this episode. So, yeah. Fun. So um, we're, we're doing it. Links to our Discord, Facebook, TikTok. Patreon, all of that was in the description. Um, come join us on our yep. Discord. We are we are desperately trying to make that uh, into share, a share share your theories. Yeah, share your theories in our Discord. And uh, <laughs> if you can think of something that rhymes with taking or breaking, uh, give it to us because there's a fucking T-shirt in there somewhere. I'm going to find it. Um, if if you come up with the third thing, we'll send you a free T-shirt. Exactly. If if it's the one we accept, not if everybody gives us one. But whichever one we end up yeah, accepting, exactly. we'll get a free T-shirt once we make it. Um, but yeah, come to our Discord. Uh, th- we're 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 getting there. People talk sometimes. Um, they go and tirades <laughs> on what is it? Squish pillows and cats a lot. Squish mellows. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Squish mellows. They and did cats. get into a whole big thing about squish mellows a couple weeks yeah. ago. What the fuck is a squish? It's that uh, you know my Gengar. Yeah, that's a squish mellow. It's it. like it's the bigger baby or beanie baby type thing right now gotta catch them all yeah it's you know how beanie babies come back like every 10 years or so yeah it's the new one got it it's just a little bigger so it's pillow pets basically yep heard so um i think that's it so i think we're gonna wrap it up it's a pillow so thank you guys fuck cancer fuck Fuck cancer fuck the bitch be good to yourself shouts out to the plant babies yep and their moms and their daddy what said? And there's a plant daddy. Me, you motherfucker. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're a plant daddy. That's now. right. Oh yeah. Although Brandon, I'm I'm more like the 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 Godfather. Brandon's more the daddy. He's the one that that babies it. I heard. So you're like a granddaddy. Yeah. Plant I'm a yeah. Daddy. I'm a I'm a plant granddaddy. <laughs> a, a grand plant daddy. Yeah. yeah. Grand, a, a plant granddaddy. There you go. Yeah. Um. <gasps> Plant mom T-shirts. <laughs> plant mom T-shirts? Question mark. Plant mom T-shirts. I think you would actually have to talk to the plant moms because <laughs> plant mom T-shirts in Terabang. <laughs> <laughs> Does plant mom is gay? Um. All right. I don't know. Maybe. All right, guys. I don't really know much about it. So thank you guys for listening, and we will talk <laughs> to you next time. The truth come out. Bye. 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 <laughs>